Hello, Sawona, how's it? Molo, Jambo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Are you well this morning? Are you all good? Are you all there? Cool. Uh, how was Reverend Tolani last week? Hey, that was pretty powerful. Hey, what a great word. If you missed it, please catch it online. He just synchronized so well with our series called The Art of Spirituality. And in this series, really, we're looking at some of the skills and the disciplines that we need in order to have a healthy, vibrant walk with God. At the end of the day, our faith is not just a mental faith. It's not just philosophy. It's not just knowing certain scriptures. It's knowing God himself. It's being close to God and walking with God and knowing that he's your father and that you are his child and it's hearing his voice and all of that. And so all of that requires skill. It requires knowledge. It requ- it's, it's an art to walk with God. And so that's what we're looking at in the series. And uh, today, I want to share a message with you that's entitled, A Heart to Seek. That's the word for today. And um, how many of you enjoy like uh, mystery novels and mystery movies? And you know those ones where there's like a twist and a plot and it keeps you guessing? Who, who of you like those? Those are my favorites. I, I absolutely Love those movies. And um, our, our boys, it's been quite a fun thing for Trish and I. Um, our boys, when, they, when they've been growing up, when they were little, we would often do these like Easter egg hunts over the Easter weekend with them. And my wife is amazing at writing like these poetic clues, all right? She can do poetry, like amazing. And so we'd write out these clues. And so we wouldn't just give them like, here's your chocolate. You know, there would be this like hunt, this treasure hunt. And so we'd have all these clues, and sometimes we'd have like little maps, and they would have to run around the house, and, and we, would, we would watch them. We used to delight in it. Uh, we used to watch them digging deep, because sometimes they like couldn't figure it out. Sometimes they would get frustrated. Sometimes they would get a bit like, oh no, where is this thing? Is it really there? You know? And, uh, and they'd have to dig a little deep, and we'd give hints and nudges. But there's such a joy on their faces when they find that chocolate. Amen. It's just a great joy finding chocolate anytime, but, you know, <laughs> especially on an on a Easter egg hunt. And um, not only is there joy in finding things of value, but there's also joy in hiding things of value. I mean, Trish and I lo- actually enjoyed the process. It was such fun to watch them dig deep and, and go through a process to get to something that was a reward and a prize for them. There was a, a guy uh, recently in, in America, his name is Forrest Fenn. He's a retired Air Force pl- pilot, an American, who decided to take his love for treasure hunts to a new level. As a retired Air Force pilot, he went, uh, he, he became, an, a, he, his actual passion was art and artifacts. And so he started collecting art and artifacts, and, and he found out that he, was gonna, that he had cancer and that he had a short term to live. And so he decided he wanted to leave a legacy. He wanted to do something fun and exciting. And so he gathered some very rare artifacts that he had collected, and he put them in a treasure chest, and he hid them somewhere in the Rocky Mountains. And it, the value of all those artifacts was over a million dollars. Some say like about $2 million worth of stuff in that chest. And then he published this 
this book, and in the book, it was called The Thrill of Seeking, or The Thrill to Seek. There was this, short, this poem, this 24-line poem, which was basically like, a, a, it had a map, and there was this poem, and it was basically, if you could decipher the poem, you would find the treasure. To give you an idea of just an excerpt from that poem, I have um, just like line two this morning on AV. It says, there's the, the, it's called The Thrill of the Chase, and there's the map. It says, begin it where warm waters halt, and take it in the canyon down, not far, but too far to walk, put in below the home of Brown. Ooh, mystery, secret. You know, when he published that, man, America went into a buzz. People were like, I'm going to find this treasure, and people set out looking for this treasure. I mean, I'm not talking about one or two, I'm talking about thousands, I'm talking about like, there's estimated like 300,000 people went looking for this treasure, all right? They, everyone was trying to decipher this code, and days went by, weeks went by. Who's going to find Finn's treasure? Who's going to find this thing? Months, years started going by. Eventually, people even started guessing maybe there is no treasure. Maybe this old guy has just like set us off on this wild goose chase and there's nothing. You know, and people started even getting angry and writing in hate mail towards him and stuff like that. But eventually, a med student, 32-year-old med student, discovered the treasure over 10 years later. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> you know, it got, it got me thinking about our God. I think our God loves a good treasure hunt. In fact, I think his favorite game to play is hide and seek. I mean, you remember playing hide and seek when you were kids? <laughs> I, I really think that is his favorite game. If you don't believe me, go look at Scripture. What you will find in Scripture is that over almost 400 times the word seek, the command or the invitation to seek is used. And it's synonyms, search for, inquire of, pursue. Over 400 times this, this, is, this command and this invitation is given. Clearly, there's an invitation out there. Clearly, there's, 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 a, there's something out there, and he wants us to come and pursue it and look for it. But it's interesting that in America, even though a lot of people went after Finn's treasure, not everyone did. So a lot did, but, but not everyone did. And it's the same this morning, if you think about it. A lot of people know that God is real, that his word is of value, but not all of them are here seeking his face this morning. A lot of people know that God is a healer and that there's healing power in him, but not everybody is seeking his healing power. Many of us know that God is a provider and that there is, He's able to meet our needs according to His riches and His glory. Amen? But not all of us are seeking the provision power of God. We know that God is a God of destiny and purpose and that He made each and every one of us with a particular destiny and purpose. But not all of us are seeking the purpose and the destiny that he has for our lives. So what we see in Scripture is that not everybody has the heart to seek. 
I want to share a word with you this morning that's going to hopefully catalyze you to become a seeker after the treasures of God. There are treasures in the kingdom of God, but I can tell you now you're not going to find them until you become a seeker, until you become a pursuer, until you become an inquirer, until you start to chase after these things that he has for us. And so my, my word this morning is, and, and my hope this morning is that this, this word is going to catalyze you to, to rise up and go after the treasure that he has for you, whether it's purpose, whether it's healing, whether it's provision, whether it's destiny, whatever it is, his will, his word for your business, for your home, for your family, whatever it is, I'm hoping that this word is going to catalyze you to go after what he has for you. And not only that, I know that many of us here this morning are seeking, and, uh, and some of us might be tired in the journey. And we're like, Lord, I've been looking for this for a while. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And I'm beginning to wonder, is it really there? You said, but I haven't seen. And so my encouragement, this, my, my hope is that this, this morning that this word is actually going to encourage you to stay on in your journey of seeking and not give up. Why? Because Jesus said in Luke chapter 11 that all who seek and keep on seeking will find. Amen? Can we just uh, pray for a moment? Let's just, before we get into the scriptures, maybe you can just repeat after me. Father in heaven, I commit this time to you. I believe that your plans for me are good, but that everything good starts with your word. Your word brings life, healing, and direction. I treasure your word more than my daily bread. And so I boldly confess that my mind is alert, my heart is receptive. And I say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Amen. All right, let's go to Proverbs. This morning we're going to start in the book of Proverbs, the book of wisdom. And we're going to look at verse 20, chapter 25 and verse 2. Can we read the scripture together this morning? It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. Amen. Okay. So let's, let's just start there this morning. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter. What does that mean? Well, have, have, have you noticed that the world we live in is actually a massive treasure hunt? Have you noticed that? I mean, if you think about it for a moment, this earth, when it was given to man, did not come with a manual on how everything works. Why do things fall down and not up? What about fire? What about the elements? What about nature, plants, seasons, stars? What, you, you know, the, the exhaustive, this, the knowledge of this world is almost exhaustive. I heard about someone who did a thesis you know, their PhD on a little bug that, that eats certain crops in certain places. I was just thinking, like, what? 
you know? <laughs> there is just so much to know in this world, but, but, but that thesis was not written and given to us when mankind arrived. There was no big book on how everything works. And so it took somebody to search. It took somebody to seek. It took somebody to answer the questions, to go looking for answers. And in that process, they just, we discovered new worlds of science and physics. We discovered new worlds of medicine and technology and laws of the universe and all these amazing things that were hidden. They were concealed before, but it took somebody to go and search for it. I mean, think about you for a moment this morning as well. You're a mystery as well. Look at the person next to you and say, you're a mystery. <laughs> you really are. I mean, did you know your... I know when my kids got born, I didn't get a manual. So this is your son, Caleb. This is what he will do with his life. This is your son, Daniel. This is how he will function. This is his personality type. This is his, you know, what he likes, what he doesn't like. He's artistic. He's sporty. He's this. I didn't get that manual. Parents, wouldn't it be nice to get that thing? <laughs> you know, you, it's like we all come out and it's this mystery. It's all concealed. It's all within you. The Bible says that He has hidden eternity in our hearts. He's hidden destiny in our hearts. He's hidden purpose in our hearts. He's hidden gifts in our heart. How many of you have done something and found out, whoa, I really enjoy this? That gift was in you, but it was hidden in you. It was concealed in you. And so I want you to see that our God conceals things. He hides things. He puts things away. They, they're not obvious, and they require somebody to go and search them out. They require somebody to ask a few questions, to dig a little deeper, and to go looking for things that are not, that are not really, you know, plainly clear to us. So God, in His wisdom, has concealed things. But not only physical and natural things, he's also concealed spiritual things as well. Have you noticed in the Gospels how Jesus is always saying things like, after he's healed someone, shh, don't, don't tell anyone that I healed you. Or like when they discover, oh, he's the, is the Messiah. Really? Oh, yeah, I'm the Messiah. Okay, but shh, don't, don't tell anyone that I'm the Messiah. I mean, are you serious? Like, this is the most exciting mission on earth, if you think about it. The Messiah prophesied in Genesis at the creation and throughout the ages, through all the mouth of the prophets, is finally here. And he's doing miracles we have never seen before. And you want me to shh? You gotta, I've got to keep this quiet? And then think about it, even after the resurrection, he appears to his disciples, and in the Gospel of Matthew, it says to 500 other witnesses as well, and we go, awesome, great. There are witnesses. There are people who beheld him and looked at him, and over 500 people, we go, that's awesome. But have you ever stopped and thought, well, hang on, why just 500? There were like a couple million people around there. You know, why, why not everyone? I mean, come on, let's think about it. If you were the Messiah and you rose from the dead, who would be the first people that you go show yourself to? Pilate. The Sanhedrin. In their council meeting the next day, that's where you'll find me. I'll be like, hey! Oh, yeah. Who's scared now? Okay. Thought you could kill me, yeah? Check this out, you know? I mean, that, that's, come on, you would do the same, right? We would be like, this is news to publish, yet... 
it's concealed, it's, it's hidden, it's like there's a few witnesses, but where's the, where, who are they? And it was this guy, and then he wrote a book about it called the Gospel of Luke, and then this guy wrote the Gospel of Matthew, and, and then, oh, this guy heard him on the road to the Emmaus, and, and it's, like, it's like a puzzle. And you have to get all the pieces, and you have to hear the testimonies, and you have to search the scriptures, and you have to look at things, and you have to dig a little deeper until you can see him yourself as well. It's like this big puzzle piece. And, and like, I know a lot of people are like, but why? You know, why doesn't God just write it in the sky? Jesus is Lord. Amen, subs. Jesus is Lord. You know, he rose from the dead. Imagine over Durban, just across the sky there. And we could just be like, Phew. that's it, done. But no, it's like it's concealed. It's, it's hidden. You know, even in Jesus' ministry, I mean, he spoke in parables. I mean, what's that? <laughs> you know, a parable is like a, a story with a hidden deep meaning. It's a mystery. It's like a, a hidden deep meaning. That's what parables. And he spoke in so many parables, hidden secrets, mysteries, truths. There's a word in English for it. It's called obfuscate. Can you say obfuscate five times first? I mean, I had to look that word up. It sounds illegal, doesn't it? And, it? and if you look at it, it is kind of illegal. It's, what it means is to, is to hide the obvious, almost to, to, to conceal what, what is really happening. It's like it's a conceal, it's hiding something. I mean, it does sound illegal when you think about it. Why, Jesus? Why the cloak and daggers? Why the big mystery? Why the puzzle pieces? Why is this not just so plain and so easy? And why can't we just know it all right now? Why the concealing of all of these things? The answer to that question, which we're going to look at now, is going to help you to keep seeking. In Scripture, he actually tells us why he conceals things. And we're going to uncover that this morning. I want to unpack that for you so that as you're going through your life and you start to feel frustrated, God, why aren't you speaking? God, should I take this job or not? God, should I spend or not? Should I marry this person or not? Should I go to, to the city or not? Where, and God, where are you? And, and you, you got start to get frustrated. I want you to remember these three truths about why God conceals things. I'm going to share three truths with you about why God Conceals, and they're going to help you stay on the path of seeking. Number one is this. Seeking sifts people. Can you say that? <laughs> Have you noticed how much we do not like looking for things? I mean, if I don't find a parking in two minutes, I'm ready to give up my shopping ex expedition. Hey? How many of you feel the same about that? Just... Have you driven around the, par the parking lot looking for a parking? What do you, I mean, it's just like, for me, it's a, it's a disaster. My, my inner world starts freaking out. You know, my unredeemed character starts to manifest to the point where even a granny can be taking a parking and I'll be like, Whoosh. I was here first. <laughs> you know? I mean, we hate searching for things, you know? I, I mean, losing your keys, your wallets. Hey, and you have to turn the house upside down. It, it, what does it do? It just sends us into this, oh, we look under the bed and look over there and you can't find it. I remember my dad was notorious for losing his car keys. 
I mean, it used to frustrate us as a family. Every time we'd be like, hey, okay, let's go. <gasps> Where are my keys? <laughs> and it would be like, Wayne, Candace, Tammy, go, my sisters, go find the keys. And then we would just be, oh, where did dad go? Where did dad, you know, trying to find dad's keys. Eventually, for his birthday, we bought this little device that you can attach. It's a key ring. And if you do a certain whistle, like that, it would play a little tune back. So eventually, when my dad would lose his keys, we'd all be just walking around. <laughs> you know, everyone's whistling in, in the house, trying to listen for when this thing is going to play back to us. But what's the point? We, we invent things so that we don't have to find things. Think about Google. In under a second, you can get anything you want. Products, places, people, information, understanding, videos, whatever, in one, under a second, you got, you got everything. What does that tell you about us? We do not like looking for things. Think about GPS. Isn't it just the best thing? I mean, you don't have to spend time, like we used to in the old days, looking at the map book and thinking, okay, we're going to, you know, we're going to a bride or a friend's house. What's that address again? Now we don't even care what the address is. What is it? Just send me the link, you know? Bling. You know, send me the pin. Yeah, and, and we just like, and go navigate. And it just, we're going. We don't have to look. We don't have to think about what highway we take it. We don't have to do anything. It's just, take it. We are eliminating the need to seek for anything. This is the world that we live in. Why? Because seeking takes effort, mental focus. It takes time. It takes diligence. We don't like that stuff. <laughs> let, me, let me give you an example this morning. Can you all put your phones away for a moment? Phones away for a moment. Phones for... Come on, I don't want anyone cheating this morning, okay? Keep your partner accountable. No phones, amen? Phones off? Okay. If you know the answer, you're not allowed to say it to anyone. Not the person next to you, all right? Nobody else in the room. If you know the answer, keep it to yourself. Here's the riddle. I have for you this morning. A wife shoots her husband, holds him underwater for five minutes, and then hangs him. Ten minutes later, they go out on a date and have a beautiful evening of dinner and dancing together. How is that possible? I mean, you're like, well, that sounds like marriage. <laughs> Don't say the word in a lot. No conferring. No conferring. Who knows the answer? If you know the answer, stand. If you know the answer, stand. No, don't say it. Just stand to your feet if you know the answer. Stand to your feet if you know the answer. It's fine. There's three. Three standing in the room. Okay. Repeat. Ah. Take two. Yeah, that's good. Seeking. Repeat the question. A wife shoots her husband then holds him underwater for five minutes and then hangs him. Ten minutes later, they go out on a date, dinner, and dancing. How is that possible? If you know the answer, you're welcome to stand to your feet if you've got it now. So now there's only three of us standing in the, in the room here. A four? Four? We have a fourth. How do the rest of you feel right now? 
<laughs> Frustrated, some of you are starting to hate me. You just want to know the answer right now. Isn't, isn't, this, isn't this just painful? But doesn't this just describe, like, oh, I knew you'd get it. Oh, oh, okay. A few more standing this morning. Now, them standing, how does it make you who are, who are sitting feel? Frustrated? Irritated? But isn't this like life right now? You see other people walking in their destiny. You see other people walking in the provision of God or the blessing of God or they found their spouse, their ones who are, and, and you don't have it yet. And how do you feel? Oh, another one. And you, and you don't have it yet. How do you feel? You feel frustrated. Where is it, Lord? You said it. How do I get it? Now, what you do with this frustration right now is so important. It's so important. It will sift you. It will sift you. It will decide whether you really are after God's plan for your life or whether you're just after a comfortable life. And I want you to know this, much harder, much harder than the riddle I've shared with you this morning are some of the things that we see in Scripture. They're, they're more difficult. It's going to require more from you. And all of heaven is waiting and watching to see who's going to press through and who's going to be a seeker, who's going to find the answer. All of you who are sitting right now, you have the capacity to find this answer. You're sitting here this morning. I want you to know you can find that answer. If you just think about it a little bit longer, you just think about it a little bit harder, you go home, you ponder it, you don't Google I'm telling you, every single one of you can get that answer because I'll tell you why. When I tell you the answer, you're going to kick yourself. You're going to be like, oh, I knew it, I knew it. <laughs> Amen? Okay, you guys can sit down. To you guys who don't know the answer, all right, let me ask you this question. If I never told you the answer today, how many of you would really go out here and look for that answer? Some of you are really like, oh, whatever, man. Who cares? She could have drowned him. She could have hung him. I don't, whatever. Life carries on. Okay, you guys who didn't find the answer, what if I had to, what if I had to offer you a reward? for finding it. Would you leave here and look for that answer? And the reward is like a, a, a chappy. Ah, no, you'll forget about it quick, hey. What if I said the reward is, I don't know, an Apple Watch or uh, a new handbag or, or a shopping voucher at the at Gateway for, for 10,000 rand? What if, I gave, what if there was a, a new car that you could get if you got that riddle right? How many of you would, would definitely dedicate the rest of the week to finding that answer? Phone in sick. <laughs> or do whatever you need to, but, but find that answer. How many of you would do that? 
Come on, be honest. Be honest. Okay, a good few more of you. Okay. Why? What does that tell us? Well, it tells us that this, that seeking is linked to value. Seeking is linked to value. So reason with me for just a moment. Knowing yourself and knowing people in general and how much we don't like seeking, unless they see value, what happens if you have something of incredible value and you want to see who else recognizes it as valuable and will appreciate it and tre treasure it as valuable. All you will need to do to find those people is simply hide what is valuable to you and wait and watch and see who seeks it. And isn't that exactly what God has done? God is looking for people who see value in, what, in the things of the kingdom. He's looking for people who see value in eternal life, who see value in knowing purpose and knowing healing and having what God has promised. He's looking for people like that, and therefore he's hidden things. Because hidden, hiding things sifts people. You know, I often meet people who have questions about God. They're not believers in God, and they, they have questions about God. And, and their questions are, are valid, and they're even good questions. But after talking with them for a little while, what I find is that it actually doesn't matter what answer I give them. And it also, I can give them an answer. What I, can, what I notice in them is that there's actually no heart to go on a journey and look for that answer themselves. So they have the question, why doesn't God do this? If God is real, why not this? But they have no intention of finding the answer to that. You know, when I was seeking God, when I got born again again, one thing I needed to know was, what about, what about other faiths? Because God, I need to be solid in this. I, I, what, what about this? I gave myself to study. I gave myself, I've studied religions around the world, Buddhism, Shintoism, Hinduism, Islam. I went to mosque. I sat there. I learned. I looked at their scriptures. I looked at their holy writings. I looked. I found the answer. That there is no way to the Father but through Jesus Christ. I found that answer. I found that truth. It's there. But it's there if you have a heart to seek. If you can go looking for it. There's a lot of people who go, oh, what about, what about, what about? But they're not actually willing to go on the process of seeking. Jeremiah 29 verse 13 says the following. It says, then you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. If God is of ultimate value and he's looking for those who will value him, it makes sense that the search to find God will require all of your heart. Anything less than that devalues God and it proves you don't know his value as well. It is the glory of God to conceal these things, but it's the glory of kings to seek, it, seek out these things, to search out a matter. You show yourself as a son and daughter of God. You show your worthiness, your glory by searching for what is of value in the kingdom of God. So do you want to know the answer? <laughs> You've forgotten already. 
The answer is that she is a photographer. She shoots him, holds it under water, then hangs him, and then they go out for a date. Ah, you would have got it, hey? Did you have it? Uh-huh. <laughs> Those guys who stood, we believe you had it, eh? You're just nodding, yeah, you got it, eh? <laughs> so seeking firstly sifts people. So you've got to ask yourself, is this thing going to sift me? That I don't know this yet, is it going to sift me? Secondly, seeking develops people. This is the reason why God has hidden things. In Matthew chapter 13, the disciples came and asked Jesus. And they said, Jesus, why do you speak in parables? Why are you always hiding these things? What's with the cloak and daggers? And look, he gave us an answer to it. He said, whenever someone, this is from the message version, has a ready heart for this. In other words, your heart is conditioned right. You have a right heart, a teachable heart, a, a, a heart that's ready to to know wisdom and truth and knowledge, a heart that's even ready to change, someone who has a ready heart. The insights and understanding flow freely. You want insight from the Word, you want understanding from the Word of God, just make sure your heart's right. Make sure that, you, that there's nothing off limits in your life. Make sure that, you, that God can say anything and you are there to change and become what He wants you to be. But if there is no readiness... Any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness, to nudge the people toward an awakening. In their present state, they can stare till doomsday and not see it. They can listen till they're blue in the face and not get it. So why 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 hiding things? Well, because by hiding things means that there is a journey that you have to go on. And in the journey you develop, you change. You develop character. You develop faith. Your knowledge of God increases. The knowledge of yourself increases. Your heart changes. You transform. In the process of seeking, you are changing. You are becoming a better, different person. If it was just plain and given to you, you wouldn't go on a journey. And you wouldn't grow at all. It's kind of like if somebody's in debt, you can give them a million rand and it can solve their debt problem. Or what our God prefers to do is he goes, hmm, let me give you an idea instead. Or let me give you a word to pursue this line of career or this business idea. He doesn't just come and give like the million bucks and solve the problem. What he does is he gives you something, a clue, and as you start to work it, and as you, you start to change, and you start to learn principles, and you start to grow in wisdom and knowledge, and eventually you get to the place where you get that million bucks that can pay the debt, but you're a different person in the process, so you don't end up in debt again. See, God is interested in you. He's interested in your growth. He doesn't just lay it all out for you to say, this is what he wants you to do, because he wants you to grow. He wants you to develop. When Fenn, Forrest Fenn, hid his treasure, one of the reasons why he did it was he said he wanted to get people off the couch and into the great outdoors. You see, he was a collector of art and artifacts, and the journey to discovering 
His treasure involved learning new and interesting things about history, geography, places that were of value to him. Anyone who took up Fenn's challenge would go on a journey of learning all the things that are valuable to Fenn. In fact, the reason why the med student found the treasure, he said the secret was he went and listened to every interview that Fenn gave. And he studied his personality and his character and he got into his mind and he got into... So yes, he had the clues, but he also went for the person. And he said this, he said, when we finally met and I gave him the treasure chest, he said it was like we were old friends. So this med student went on a journey. <coughs> it was a journey of growth. It was a journey of learning about Fenn. It was growing in character. It was growing in grit. It was growing in, uh, I mean, it took him over a year to find the treasure. I mean, he dedicated so much time to it, so many travels that he did went looking for it. And in that process, he was learning grit. He was learning determination, perseverance, how to keep going. And it's the same with God. He doesn't just reveal everything to you because he wants you to develop. He wants you to grow and become the type of person who can then handle the blessing and the thing that he has for you. It's kind of like a butterfly that starts in a cocoon, a caterpillar cocoon, and in there, there's this process of metamorphosis, and the butterfly has to break out of that cocoon. And if you step in and help that butterfly, it will never be a butterfly. Why? Because in the process of struggling against that cocoon and going, oh, I know I'm more than this. I know I was destined for bigger things. I feel like I was called to fly. You know, and he, he, what he would do, what the butterfly does is that he's building muscle. He's building muscles. He's building his wings, his wing power, his wingspan. And when he finally breaks out there, his wings are usable. He can actually just fly away immediately. If you just help him, he would never develop the muscle. He falls to the ground. He'll never learn how to fly. And it's the same with us. There's processes. There's things we've got to go through in order to develop and become people that can handle the blessing of God. You know, I remember John Wimber's testimony of how he just believed God was a healer, but he was like, why are people not getting healed? And it set him on this journey of seeking God for healing. And it was a frustrating journey for him. He poured himself into the scriptures. He, he listened to material. He, he, and, and he stepped out in faith and started healing rooms and praying for people. No one was getting healed day after day, week after week, month. Eventually, he was on the floor crying, saying, God, where are you? You know, and it was a frustrating process. But in all of that searching, what was God was building muscle. God was building understanding. God was building faith to the point where John Wimber walked in one of the most powerful, incredible healing ministries and was able then to transfer it to others and handle it without scandal. You see, people, we must not forget that the process is important. Seeking develops you. It grows you. And there's so many other examples I could share with you but here's the truth I want you to grasp from this, is that his truth is not concealed from you, it's concealed for you. It's not concealed from you, it's concealed for you, for your growth, for your purity, for your development, it is concealed. That's why it's concealed. You know, I've, I, I find this, you know, as you start to pursue the things of God, 
your character starts to come out and you start to go, oh, what is that? (laughs) Oh, what is this? And, And what's happening is the process of seeking is a process of purifying you, purifying your motives, purifying your intentions, purifying your heart so that you can then carry the thing that God has for you. So seeking sifts people, seeking develops people. The third one is this, seeking protects people. In 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 6 to 8, it says the following, Paul talking. He said, however, we speak a wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Can you say mystery? The hidden wisdom of, the hidden wisdom. Can you say hidden wisdom? God conceals things, which God ordained before the ages for our glory. So God hid wisdom, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for if they had known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What does that tell us? Is that if you look at the Old Testament, you can see it's a mystery. There's this Messiah, but when is he going to come? What is he going to be like? Is he going to be the warring Messiah? Is there a second coming or a first coming? Is there multiple comings? Which city? Which place? What, what will he be like? There's, there's like? there's all the clues are there. But once Jesus is there, you can look back and go, oh, uh, it's obvious. <laughs> That's what the scripture means. That was the scripture means. That was the scripture. But put yourself in there. You would, you would still be guessing. You would still be trying to put those puzzle pieces together. And the reason why God did that was he didn't want the enemy to get a jump on on his plans. We must understand, people, that we live in enemy territory, that there is an enemy who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And whenever he gets wind of the plan of God, he counteracts. That's why sometimes when you step out into the thing that God has called you in, suddenly there's attack. Because the enemy is like, oh, it's Richard. I didn't know. That he was going to do this. I didn't know that he was going to be this mighty man of God. I, I, and there's attack. Oh, there's this gift that was hiding there. And suddenly there's attack. Why? Because it was hidden. It was hidden not only for you and your development, but it was also hidden from the enemy so that he wouldn't get a jump and try and sabotage the plan of God for your life. Which tells us a little bit of something. Like when we know what God is calling us into and, and speaking of our lives, we shouldn't just blab it. We shouldn't just be blabbers, amen? Like just go out and tell it, oh, I saw your, your reeds bowing to my reed. Who's that? Joseph, yeah? They got him thrown in a pit, <laughs> you know? You've got to be careful who you share your dream with. You've got to be careful who you share. You know, these things are hidden. These things are mystery. When you find them, they're treasures. You don't just go like, oh, I take my Rolex. Hey, look at my new Louis Vuitton. You know what? You don't, you don't just flaunt it out there. You don't just go walking in the street with all your gold, you know? But you keep your treasures. You keep them safe, all right? Because there are thieves out there who will break in and, and, and steal. And so the things that God gives us, we, is, they hides them to protect us as well. You know, also another element to this is, is this, is that the safest place in the world to be is seeking God. The safest place for you to be, why? Because your heart so easily goes after other lovers and idols. And if you serve them, you become like them. 
That's why Jesus said, don't seek after things, rather seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then he'll add those things. And so seeking God is one of the most safest things for you to do with your life. Why? Because you so easily start to go after seeking things. Amen? And, and so when we're seeking God, we're making sure we're staying in the kingdom. It's a safe place to be. Seeking protects us. It keeps us from running after idols. Amen. So seeking sifts people. Seeking develops people. And seeking protects people. I want to close this with a few scriptures of promise to encourage you this morning. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6 says this. It says, He rewards those who diligently seek Him. God cannot ignore a heart that is pursuing Him. There, I mean, tribes in, in the Amazon and in northern India, I've, I read accounts of where they, they're just genuinely seeking God. Suddenly God moves heaven and earth to get somebody there with the gospel to share it with them. And when they arrive, they find them waiting. They find them like, yes, this is what we've been looking for. What does that tell us? Because if you really have a ready heart, if you have a heart that really wants to know and is really pure and seeking after God, he moves heaven and earth to get that revelation to you. When Daniel started to pursue God because he saw the state of Israel and they were in captivity in Babylon and he was like, this cannot be. He set his face to fast and humble himself and seek God. God sent angels to meet with him. Even Michael had to be dispatched to fight Gabriel to get Gabriel to Daniel. And what did Daniel get? Daniel got a plan of timelines to the Messiah. In fact, the three, this is, we don't really know this, but this is what I believe, all right, from Scripture, is that the three wise men who came looking, seeking the Savior were from the land where Daniel was because Daniel set in an order and he knew when the Messiah would come. And he knew that it was written. He knew all the clues and he set in place an order of people who came looking for the king, the one to come. That's why they, they were expecting a king when they arrived. In fact, when you go look at the words and the revelation that was given to Daniel, it's like these wise men knew those words. They, they had been studying it and passed down for centuries to them and they knew the time was right because they knew, they, they knew what was in Scripture. But look at the revelation that was given to him. Why? He had a heart to seek. Look at Abraham, a heart to seek after God. God comes to Abraham and he, and, and he, and he turns to the men that are with him, the angels are with him and says, should I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Should I hide things? No, and the answer is no. He reveals to Abraham what he's about to do. Why? Because Abraham's heart was like, come, I want you. I'm seeking you. I want to know what you have for me. In Proverbs 8, verse 17, it says, Those who search will surely find me. I have riches and honor as well as enduring wealth and justice. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wages better than sterling silver. What he has is better than anything you can find in Gateway. The things that are really 
of value are with Him. And they're hidden to sift, to see who really will. And if you do take up the challenge and start to seek, you're going to develop in the process and you're going to be protected in the process. And the promise that's standing before you, every nation's urban, is this. If you do it diligently, He will reward you. David said, I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken, never seen their seed begging bread. He's a good God. He has good things. He has good gifts for his children. He has destiny for you. He has a spouse for you. He has purpose for you. He has a place where he wants you to be. He has certain things for you. Will you seek? Will you go after them? Or will you keep looking for the, the, the temporal things, the easy things, the things that are just, yeah, 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 yeah. nothing better than walking in the God thing. I mean, I just think about this gorgeous woman, you know? <laughs> this, was, this was seeking the Lord. Lord, what do you have for me? I got church for you. <laughs> you know, he's got good things. He's got good things for us. Have a heart to seek the Lord. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.